McFarland, McFarland Energy, thanks so much. And this time we go to Cape Cod. McFarland is absolutely dominating down in Cape Cod this summer. Cape Cod, the one of the finest coaches ever to coach at Cape Cod in the Cape Cod League, the esteemed Cape Cod League. Then that's Jared Saltalamaki, even though he's only coached one game down there for the Bourne Braves. But we figured it was a good time not only to catch up with Jared to see why and how he ended up down the Cape League, which is a great story, but also just to reminisce a little bit about 2013, about how he left the Red Sox. And most importantly, holy mackerel, the fact that he saw a couple ghosts. Why with the Red Sox? Literal ghosts. So it's a good podcast. Coop joins, rides along. And, uh, and yeah, so subscribe, follow, do all those things. We're keep the ball rolling. Last week we had a great interview with Mookie Betts. You want to check that out this time? It's another long lost friend, Red Sox friend, who, I'm the spoiler alert, said he kind of wished he stayed in Boston. Well, that would be Jared Saltlamacchia. Take a listen. All right. There is nobody I'd rather have right now, right here on this podcast than Jared Saltlamacchia. The best, I don't even know what coach you, kind of coach you are on the Cape Cod League, which is, by the way, the best summer league, the best summer league, right, of, of all time. We all know that's well established. And now it just got even better because, Salty, you are a coach in this league, right? Correct? Correct. Correct. Actually, I'm a little disappointed, though, with the Cape. I was told that the uh, summer catch, one of the most prolific movies ever, wasn't even videoed at Chatham. So I'm a little upset. I can, if you like, I mean, I can simulate the Jessica Beale getting out of the pool scene for you. If I you would want. not like that. No, not at all. <laughs> Thank you, though. I appreciate the offer. So that's what that's what <laughs> that's what you thought it was, right? That's what you thought it was. You thought it was that, like literally Freddie Prince Jr., Jessica yeah. Biel, like just, grass, absolutely. You know, walking off the mound in the ninth inning with a no hitter. That's what I thought it was about, but apparently not. All right, we got a lot to get to. Uh, I want to do. I do want to start off with what we're talking about. First of all, how are you? I, I don't. I don't mean to pass that. No, I know that's the least important thing right now. No, everything's good. Family's good. They're back home uh, getting ready to leave for eight days of volleyball uh, AAUs, and then they go to nationals um, out in Indianapolis, and they're going to come out here with me. So you have, uh, you have your daughter, really good volleyball player? I've got, well, four daughters, but three of them are playing right now. Um, okay. And my 14-year-old, they qualified for nationals. Oh uh, the rest of them are playing AAUs, yeah. Can you play volleyball? I can do anything. Oh, really? I mean, could, all right. Can, at some point, this is what I want you to, I'm going to merge the two conversations. At some point this summer, you get your team out, the Born Braves, correct? Born yep. Braves. And you uh, reenact the Top Gun volleyball scene. Okay. Oh, perfect. I got to get the beach. I got to get the beach tan going and get in the gym a little bit more and then I'll be ready to go. Hey, all you have to do is you have to look at your watch randomly and you have to prop up your sunglasses on occasion, you know, and then you have to. That you, you have to obviously wear jeans, no shirt. Button up wine, take it then, off. And then when you celebrate, you have to um, you have to act like a two by four hit you in the back and like thrust your body out. Right? <laughs> well, in the eighties, that was great. That was, <laughs> that was about there. You go. So we're bringing it all back to the Cape. So how did this happen? How did how did this happen? Where you end up on Cape Cod coaching, uh, which you know the the future of major league baseball, which isn't hyperbole. It's, it's salty. It is amazing to me. And I know people know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's amazing to me. You played with a bunch of these guys, 
Like people say, oh yeah, of course they played in the Cape. I played in the Cape. Yeah, I played in the Cape. Everybody played there. Like who? Almost everybody who goes to the majors. Uh, yeah. me. No, probably no, more no. now than there ever was because of the NIL money that's going on. These kids are gonna, you know, go to college instead of going straight out of high school. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just I'm excited to to teach kids. You know, this game gave so much to me that I was excited to uh, coach at the high school level. You know, that's a, that's a point in their life where you're trying to teach them how to be men, not just baseball players. So um, I felt that's where I needed to be. Um, and I want to kind of move up to the college level. Um, I think the pros are still an option. Um, but, you know, right now I got to think about what's the next step and, and college was. So you know, we reached out to the Cape and um, Scott Landers was able to, you know, find room for me, really. And, um, you know, there's a few other teams, but Scott was great. We really kind of clicked from the first conversation. And uh, this was my choice. So why the Cape? So like you said, you, know, you reach out to them. You want to coach. You want to sort of advance in terms of your coaching career. Like, by the way, it's a smart move. You've already been a smart guy. Excellent job. Continuing a trend. But did you, who, I mean, did you just reach out to, hey, dial up, you know, hey, Siri, Cape Cod League office. Hey, I want to coach. Can someone <laughs> please take me in? Like, how does this work? Uh, well, it wasn't quite that uh, that bad, but, you know, I, I do have connections from playing. Um, so, you know, I was able to kind of reach out to a few people. Um, you know, actually, Dan Queen was one of the guys that first set me up, who's, you know, one of the guys at Northeastern University where I'm still going to school and doing online courses. Um, so he kind of hooked me up with one of the board members. The board member called, you know, sent a memo out to all the teams. Um, and then we just kind of connected with Scott. And that's kind of the way it happened. What, what are you going to school for? Uh, business and leadership. Oh, look at you. All yeah. right. I mean, Just, I, you know, I didn't want to go to school for six to eight years for law or, you know, medicine. So I figured let's just do business and leadership and maybe it'll help me in the baseball world. There's, there's probably not a lot of people in your classes who uh, signed a $21 million contract. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I have learned that. College is not all about what they're teaching you. It's a lot of life lessons because I mean, there's been certain situations where I've just kind of answered the questions, not even looking at the book, just knowing through life. Um, so there is something to be said about life lessons. That, that, that is fair. And uh, so let's get to some of those life lessons. Number one, the, the most immediate life lesson, which was your first Cape League game. Um, you, as we tape this right now, you have one game under your belt. And what was it? Was it what you expected? And I know that some of these, uh, some of the the guys who are still in the College World Series, they aren't there yet. So it's not like you have this team, like the the, the team that you're going to have. But what was that like? Was it what you expected? Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, first and foremost, I'm contemplating going to tonight's game. I'm actually flying to San Diego tomorrow for the combine. Um, so I kind of want to retire one and zero and just go undefeated. Um, but <laughs> I'll probably show up anyways. Um, you know, I think that I was expecting these kids to be good ball players, good athletes, which they are. Um, you know, I expected them to be open-minded, you know, willing to listen. Um, but they actually come from a, I mean, they really do come from a different, you know, background and, um, you know, their regiment, their regime's a little different uh, from the big league level and the high school level. High school level, these kids are probably hearing it for the first time. Big league level, you're not really kind of telling them what to do. You're more maintenance. Um, so the college level, you got a mixture of guys that have heard things and guys who haven't heard things. Um, I know a lot of the D1 programs kind of teach one-way philosophies, you know, especially with hitting. Um, so I think these kids are an open book when it comes to hearing something from an outside source, whether it be me, uh, our head coach, Scott, 
um, you know, cook or pitching coach, whoever it is, I think they're open-minded. The, did you, did you wear your world series ring? No, no, that stayed in the safe. Oh, I, didn't come on. That. I didn't end up losing it somewhere along the line. <laughs> Let's go. Anything is important home. Uh, all right. Well, we have Coop joining us as well. So, Coop, say hi to Salty. Coop. Great Salty, hair, how's it going, dude? Yeah, like, look at that. Look at that. Look at that yeah. hair, huh? Love it. You got you to gotta have the hair. If you're going to be playing baseball. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, like, as we said in Coop, Salty gets paid in hats. So yeah. it's uh, at the Cape League, which is, by the way, I, having seen some of the hats, I told them yesterday, like, you got to sell these hats. They're awesome. Right. Right? They can make a fortune <laughs> on anything, Cape. Shirts, hats. I mean, oh. it doesn't matter. The, I was about to say, the, the Cape League got some swag. They know what they're yeah. doing down there. Wareham, Wareham, Wareham has some fire jerseys. I worked for Wareham for a summer, and I was always jealous, jealous when the players put those on. Well, we'll face them tonight, so we'll see what they got. Ooh, oh, look at you talking. I want to wish you best of luck, but I, and, you know, go Gateman. I ride them. <laughs> they don't have the coaching staff that we got. I okay. Uh, okay, I believe that. I believe right. that. Are you – Um. so here's, here's a technical coaching question for you, and now we're going to get into meat and potatoes. We're geeking it out a little bit. All yeah. right, you ready? Limber up. All right. Here go. we go. Don't, I mean, are you all right? It's been a while. <laughs> uh, so are you, you're, are you, I would imagine you're dabbling in the art of coaching catching as part of your duties, right? With yeah, the, catching the and hitting and okay. um, being Scott's right hand. Okay. So since you, since we last saw you in a major league uniform, catchers now catch on one knee, right? Right. I don't believe that that was part of the equation when you caught. And a lot of people, it's driving a lot of people crazy. And it's what, Salty, it's like one of these things where, like with shifts, the pitchers will complain and like, well, you're just complaining about the one time out of 10. How about the other nine? <laughs> well, like I'm watching guys, I don't know, man. Like before, I don't want to go on my rant against it because what do I know? But I want to get your take on it. Well, I mean – you know, at first I was against it. Um, you know, I'm kind of an old school style. I did the one leg thing, Tony Pena style, but it was with nobody on. So guys on base, it does kind of bother me a little bit because, you know, I guess the analytics of it, it makes sense. But, um, you know, there's something they said about keeping the runner first. I mean, you hold runners for a reason. I mean, if that were the situation where you didn't care if the guy blocked and the guy passed him, then you're not going to worry about your time to home. You might as well be a 1-8 or a 2-0 and make sure you make your pitch. Um, you know, but they're they're doing some stuff with the catching with the one knee that's, you know, I watch Vasky and they're doing some stuff that's teaching them how to make the throw and stay low. Um, those were one of the drills we used to do as catchers is to stay low, kind of do a one knee thing. So you stay loaded. Um, you know, so talking to Veritech, he said that the analytics show that um, I guess pros and cons is you're going to get more strikes. You know, obviously the cons is the pass balls, but. Um, you know, they're teaching them how to block. They're teaching them how to receive with it and throw a second. So, you know, the game's evolving. A lot of things are changing in this game. You got uh, hats and microphones. So uh, yeah. can you imagine, can you imagine, could you like the, can you imagine doing that? The, the pitch com thing when you were playing? Absolutely not. Now, do you, thing I am against. Do you think that like decreases situational awareness for players as they develop? I think it decreases the development part of it in general. Um, you know, you're teaching guys to look at a card as opposed to have feel you know there's something to be said about reading hitters you know a guy could be hitting 350 but he's you know 0 for 20 that week you know what's he doing different you know i spent four hours on a computer screen looking at pitchers and where the pitches were um you know counts 
oh count, three, two count, first pitch swing percentage, stuff like that. You know, that tells you a lot about the hitter. And then you break down their, their swing during the game. You know, are they dipping? Has it been 15 game road trip? The guy's exhausted and tired. The numbers don't show that. Well, and the other part about this, and, you know, uh, we were talking to Joe Kelly about it, about he said, like, I wouldn't use it, or I don't want to use it. I don't know. A lot of guys say they don't use it, then they end up using it just because everyone's doing it, and it makes the game quicker. But he said, like, when Molina, Molina's catching, and, and he's saying, no, no, I want this pitch. I want the emphasis of it, right? You don't have the button that says, you know, fuck yeah, come on, let's go. Let's go, <laughs> Right. I'm assuming he does. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> you know, I, well, I'm assuming that it's the suggestion. You know, just talking right. a little bit, it's the suggestion type thing. Um, it says this. You know, it doesn't mean you have to go with it. Obviously, at the end of the day, it's in the pitcher's hands. He's going to have to make the pitch. Um, just because it says the guy can't hit a slider, you know, my slider might be working that day. You know, I don't feel comfortable. Um, but as far as speeding the game up, I get it. You know, it's, it's about money at the end of the day. You're trying to fit in some more commercials lower time on the on the game rate that way the the fans actually enjoy watching a three-hour game as opposed to the yankee red sox four hour and 58 minute game so i mean i understand certain sides of it and i do enjoy that part but um there's something to be said about the human factor so here's a question for you and rob i haven't even told you this yet um i'm like you i'm a coach different level i'm coaching legion (laughs) it's a high school ball but uh, there was a scandal in our area. I live on the South Shore of Massachusetts. One of the coaches during the high school year, he was using a pitchcom type uh, like notification system mm-hmm. for his pitchers. And this is this is varsity level baseball. Right. Is there when you look at this and it's obviously going to take over the league? It, I think that's just like an inevitable. So, like, at what point do you start incorporating it with ball players? Because, like you said, like. There is a loss of feel in the game. Well, Vanderbilt, so there, I mean, Vanderbilt in the college, they have the watches. Too, yeah, I mean, like, right? you, you saw it in college first, yeah. but now, like, this was the first time I heard it down at the high school level. And yeah, yeah. my question is, is, like, when is the good time to start incorporating that, you think? Well, I mean, if they're going to use it, I mean, the time is now. Um, I know the FHSAA, where I'm at high school rules, you're not allowed to. Um, from what I understand, usually high school is about 10 years behind college. So we've got about – seven, eight more years until high school can use it where I'm at. Um, but I think, I mean, it's good. I think it's great. I don't think you get that many guys stealing signs and all that stuff, but it'd be nice to be able to you know, kind of talk to the catcher um, and be able to give them the signs quicker and move through the game. You know, I think catching, I was always told, and it's true, the last thing to evolve in any baseball player, whether it be infield, outfield pitcher, is catching. You know, that's what takes the most time. Um, it's not something you just can learn in a, a three-year span. You have to have plenty of games behind the plate um, you know, so as long as you're giving them the signs and you're talking about it and communicating them after the game and understanding why they're doing it, I think they're going to be able to get better. All right, let's go back in the time machine. First off, uh, do you remember when I rode on the team playing for the first time? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, which is, which is, it was, uh, I, Coop, in case I haven't told the story, um, I, they told, I didn't realize that you couldn't wear sneakers. Right? Is that true? I mean, I don't think sneakers are acceptable in any kind of business. Uh, all right, all right. Well, theory, listen, but, I, I don't know. Listen, you know, you saw you me. Always I, break I, the mold. I love. You're it. lucky I was wearing shoes. You know, so <laughs> so Salty's so, like I went like Salty's like rock some Tevas, open oh, up the, dude, the toes like, a bit. I was maybe so, some Crocs, dude. I was so nervous, man. Like I was doing the, bro- I was like, I don't, I don't want to mingle among these guys and everything. And he comes over and he's just giving me a ration. 
Part for the course. Uh, yeah, well, that's yeah. part of the fun, right? I mean, you knew nobody was safe on that plane, anyways. It doesn't matter who you were. Ah, uh, well, first of all, like to get on the plane, and like you, I'm just gonna like, as from my perspective, because you lived that life. But you get on the plane, and it's like a, a wave of legal seafood. I'm like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> like shrimp cocktail, fried clams, whatever. Oh, and by the way, here's the menu for the for the real meal. And I'm just right. like. Like this is not how sports writers are treated typically, which, <laughs> which, and and I know that you guys are saying don't ever put sports writers on the plane ever again. So, uh, well, you chose your profession, all right. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's listen. The great game of baseball was a real winner that day, as I threw fry clams down my gullet and warding off your your heckling. You and Victorino both. I mean, those. That was a good team, though. Like I, I enjoyed covering that team. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, obviously you win, which makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. anything's better than the year prior. I mean, you guys had um, right around the year prior. I mean, there's never you a just home. you just don't talk about that year. That's that's the yeah, result know, of man. that year. I don't know. That was <laughs> that was. Yeah. I mean, the the thing was about that. People ask about covering that. Yeah, you know, you when you lose, when the team loses, it's harder to cover the team because you guys don't want to talk, whatever. But it was so chaotic. It was so chaotic. I mean, right. every single day there was something. Right. It was nuts. And I'm sure at some point you kind of probably felt bad for the players. Like, oh, my gosh. I, don't uh, even I mean, I'm never salty. Like, I've never had players basically like you get in a corner, <laughs> like whether, you know, it's Lester, or Cody Ross or whoever. And they're like, like, can you believe what's going on over there? <laughs> like, it was, just, it was nuts. Right. And it then, was. But, yeah, I mean, you know. You know, you lived yeah. it. Um, but, you know, that team, 2013, it was I, – I do think that when we talk about that team, about what made it work was that it was you – know, when they went from Francona, it was you went complete 180, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you, like, Farrell was a little bit closer to Francona. Uh, you guys also were – you guys were securing yourself. Like, to me – that's one of the biggest things. And I even see it with some Red Sox teams in recent memory where, yeah, you have talent, but you've got to be secure in yourself. You've got to have like the late 20s, 30-year-olds, whatever, even late 30-year-olds who are just like, hey, you know what? We're not afraid to talk. We're not afraid to do this. We're not afraid to that. We're not worried about our brands, all of that. Am I wrong? No, absolutely. You know, I think that year what, what Ben did was he brought in personalities that clicked right away. Um, you know, I think – I'm not going to say it didn't matter who you put at the at the manager spot because I think Farrell did a great job of putting together his staff that just kind of stayed out of the way. They were there for us. They were fun to be around. It wasn't like, you know, show up to the park. Oh, here we go again. Let's listen to it. Everything was fun. I mean, it was a good group of guys. Um, but, you know, they stay out of the way. They let us play our game. They, um, you know, the personalities in the clubhouse obviously were probably far better than any clubhouse in the history of the game. Uh, you know, between Johnny Gomes and Pedroia and Napoli, you know, Victorino, um, you know, and then obviously David doing what David does. You know, I think that uh, without him in that lineup, obviously we don't get anywhere, but um, it was just a good mixture of guys. So, so I asked this question of um, Brock Holt and Mitch Moreland the other day too, which was, you know, do you think that baseball's devaluing that devaluing the, the, the presence of guys in the clubhouse, the, the devaluing, the importance of personalities of all the things that we're talking about, because now the perception is, well, if you have a good spin rate eh, your personality might be this, but 
we think you're going to take it to the next level and we'll all look good. Do you think that? Do you think that they are devaluing that? Um, I don't think they're devaluing. There's just so much more analytics out now. Um, it's hard to ignore it. Um, I think that they're bringing people in. They can look at stuff like that and can project some pretty good stuff. Um, you know, you, you never know for sure about a personality, right, until they actually get in there. Um, well, who surprised you in that team? Like, like, obviously, you didn't know everybody. Uh, you know what, Napoli, I mean, I love Napoli. He was a great player, but playing against him, he was the biggest dick I've ever met in my life. So, you know, it's one of those times you, you hate a guy on the other side, but you love him, their teammate. Like, Lackey, I couldn't stand Lackey. Saved my life. I, I couldn't stand the guy. I played with him. He's probably one of the best guys I've ever played with, the nicest guys I've ever played with. You know, so Napoli, for me, the way he kind of uh, took me in, helped me out with catching, um, the knowledge of the game, I wasn't expecting him to be that far advanced. I mean, he was like – Pedroia level as far as just knowledge and stuff like that but he was always open to learning too um so I think he was probably the biggest surprise for me um you know you, you know what you're going to get with Johnny Gomes that's kind of a, a given um didn't know Victorino talked as much as he did but it was kind of good for him to be able to do that I think he kind of took the attention off of certain situations and helped us out um I think but yeah Napoli for me so when you say Napoli was a dick and we, you know, listen, we all get along with him and everything. It's, it's, we, we all have come to know Mike Napoli, but my guess is like, okay, well you probably looked across the field and said, will you tell that guy to button his buttons? Just like two up. <laughs> no, mean, I love that. I love that. I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking of pre-world series. He was out shirtless sunning himself on the field. Wasn't he? Yeah, is that, yeah, I mean, like, if I'm on the other team and I yeah. see that, I'm just like, what? they're not even preparing for us. What the hell's going on? No, we were ready. We, you know, we pressed play at the beginning of the season and we just let the, you know, the tape roll. So, no, but Napoli was more just, you know, when I faced them, I would sit there and look at them and I'd be like, hey, man, how you doing? You just kind of look down at me, get in the box. You know, I just, I couldn't stand that. Like, if you can't say hi to somebody at least, I mean, you ain't got to be my friend, but at least be like, hey, man, what's up? Everybody, you got Tory Hunter, you know, all these guys that are future Hall of Famers that walk up, Derek Jeter, hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you, having a great year, that type of stuff. He was just fucking cold stoned me, and I, I, didn't, I didn't care for that. <laughs> so well, do you think Cody, did Cody Ross get that treatment too in the World Series? Um, Maybe, possibly. In what World Series? Didn't they play each other, Cubs, uh, Indians, or Guardians? I don't know, I don't know. Who knows? You mean, you mean uh, uh, David Ross? David Ross. David Ross. I, I say Cody Ross. Yeah, oh, my David gosh. Ross. I, was no, like, I went to a part, I I to a part of my brain there that I haven't gone in years. I mean, Cody Ross has gotten two mentions on this podcast so far. <laughs> Did so, I miss a Cody Ross mention beforehand? Uh, on the next Bradfro show, Cody Ross. We got to get Cody Ross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, David Ross. So what, what, what were you saying, Coop? Uh, just... Do, would that whole pressure of like not communicating, not showing any friendliness? I mean, like playoffs, you turn that on a little more. I would imagine, like, yeah, I would. I mean, I would, that, would that would that game during the game? It was probably more of a yeah. They kind of left it be. Well, yeah. you talked you talked about sunning yourself. So we had uh, well, I had on Tori Lovello. Um, oh, great yeah. team. Oh yeah, I mean, great so team, so so, and with his wife making a, a uh, cameo appearance in it, and so I asked him, and I always remember this. The off day at the Vinoy. Okay. You remember this? Remind okay. me. Sept early September, you guys are rolling, right? You guys clearly, you had come off. You already done the, for that year where it was like, okay, everyone's like, they're going to the playoffs was coming off that, that West Coast road trip. Mm -hmm. 
the Dodgers and the Giants where Brian Villarreal got a ring after throwing zero strikes. So, uh, right, correct? Am I yes. wrong? Yes. No? So, anyway, you, you come off that road trip. You, you take care of the Giants and the Dodgers. The Dodgers are perceived as this really good team. Now you're, like, a little bit later, you go to Tampa. You have an off day in Tampa. Is this the Tampa. fishing trip? Yes, the fishing yeah. trip. Okay, so the fishing trip, you can tell me about the fishing trip. Well, all I know, and this is what we talked about with uh, Tori and his wife, was at the pool which like, I, I still think is like one of the greatest athletic achievements of all time. The fact that you guys are doing cannonballs off the cliff in a pool that's like literally five feet deep. <laughs> Am I wrong? We're, athlete, we're athletes. I okay? know. Well, listen, you know? It, it manifests itself in all kinds of different ways. <laughs> it's, like, it's like getting a NASCAR driver to drive a taxi. I mean, you really expect him to not be good at what he does. I mean, we're athletes. We are, you know – at the prime of our you know, lives and careers. I mean, I'm sure we can do a cannonball into a pool and not hurt ourselves. Uh, I feel like that in the 2013 season, maybe that was one of the greatest achievements that you guys had that day, that entire day. You know, I, I could think of a lot more, but I'll, I'll give you, <laughs> you know, if that's where you want to go with it, I'm, I'm good. All right. It was, it was a good, it was a, so I was right though, right? I mean, it was, it was, it was a good day. I mean, it was a great day. I, I wasn't a part of the cannonball thing, but you know, if that's what you're saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your word for it. Oh, you were part of the fishing trip, right? I was definitely part of the fishing trip. It was an off day. Off how many day. how many guys on the fishing trip? Uh, I think it was just me, Nap, um, and Johnny Gomes. I think were the only three that went. Okay, then everyone else met at the Vinoy. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to prepare yourself for the Vinoy. I mean, there's ghosts all over the place. So. Right. <laughs> You got to wear yourself down so you can sleep at night. You, I mean, I know the story. You, you never saw a ghost there. Best beds in the American League. I've always said that. No, I've seen ghosts. I've seen two ghosts there. Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Do all tell. Right. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Let's just pause a second. <laughs> all right. Go. All right. So the one time was the woman in the white dress who walks down the hallways. You know, that was just like a quick little glimpse. We had gotten in late one night. Um, like two in the morning from you know New York probably because we were out late. Anyways, and um, so I saw that as I was going to the room. And then the other time was I was laying in bed. I locked the door, deadbolt. And sometime in the morning, two, three in the morning, I wake up and the deadbolt was open. The door was open. What the hell? So I get up, close that, lay back down. And I just kind of look into the window and I could see a shadow of two people, a little boy and a guy in a top hat just standing in front of the window. It was just their shadow. It wasn't like a full-on picture of them. And I was just like, all right. Turned back over and went to bed and just pretend that wasn't, that wasn't there. Man, that's a major league ball player right there. You just ice in your veins. You saw some ghosts and you're like, all right, we'll call it a night. I was, I'm just going with their friendly ghosts. They didn't say anything. They didn't talk to me. So. Some Casper action. Yeah. yeah. So you, but you know, so heading into, like, I would imagine that, what well, was this, was this 2013 or another year? Um, 2013 was, yeah, I think it was both 2013. Okay. So you knew going in, like uh, that, the story goes back to, I don't know if you remember Scott Williamson, the relief pitcher, uh, for the Red Sox, you know, at the time why he was playing, he's saying the same sort of thing. And the top hat guy was one of his ghosts too. See? Yeah. I've heard there's a Reds pitcher. I think that his wife was in the room and the sinks kept turning on. Um, that was one of them. The picture frame kind of fell off the, the wall. There was a few, 
But that was like the old, uh, the one they redid because that was the side that burnt down and killed all the people. Did you tell, did you tell anyone after? Did you tell like to go to the clubhouse and say, hey. Oh, I went straight to Pedroia because he's scared to death. <laughs> I prayed to him and told him exactly what happened. He's a big Bigfoot guy, isn't he? Yeah, well, he swam with sharks. He's done a lot of crazy things, but you know. Yeah, but, but did, did he check out the hotel immediately? I mean, I know he's afraid of flying, so yeah. <laughs> I don't think he checked out, but I think he had to have a room next to somebody. <laughs> All right. He opened the door and roommate type action. All right. Well, so first of all, I don't even know where to go from that because that was an all timer. Excellent job, <laughs> Salty. Um, so, uh, but I want to go back to that 2013 and bring that back to someone who's playing now. When we've talked, we had him on the podcast. Um, which is Xander Bogarts. And like when you were playing with him, obviously he gets called up. He's a young guy wearing like number 102 or something like that. You know, I don't know what it was, but it was when you, when he gets called up, like what's your perception of him and how did that, did it change over time? And you know, what, what was this like? What was that like? Cause like I, you weren't there. I don't think the next year through the, I'm getting my, get my right. The next year, yeah. And he's like, they brought Steven Drew back and, and, and he was booed for the, Xander said that was the only time I was ever booed. And a lot of people said he'll never play shortstop. I mean, that was a thing. Like he'll, this guy will, won't play shortstop beyond like a year. He's too big or he can't move right. or whatever. What was your perception of him? I mean, I knew he was special from the moment he got called up. Um, you know, he's a quiet kid. So he, he, he was a professional in the clubhouse. He knew his, his role. Um, he was third base at the time. So, I mean, he came in, the type of hitter he is, I knew he was going to play well in the big leagues. Um, you know, I think I said it when I was doing some of the Nesson broadcast stuff is that he could easily be, you know, a 30-30 or a 40-40 guy. You know, he's got power. He can hit 300, hits it to all parts of the park. Um, the glove was always there. Um, and I think that players, when they play in Boston, you know, I remember the first time I got booed, it was, you know, early in the season. Um, you know, I was struggling. I was probably like 30 bats in and I got booed and I told myself, I'm never going to let that happen again. And it just started going off from there. Um, so, you know, I think that players react to that differently. You know, he obviously took that as a, as an insult and worked hard and, and became who he is now. Um, was that the first time you ever got booed? At, uh, I don't know. I get booed at home all the time. So yeah, I know, I know one boos you like in, like in, in high school fields in Florida, you know. No, I don't get booed there. I mean, at home, right, no one booed you in Texas. I mean, no one. Come on, they don't. No, I don't think there was there was ever a situation. I think it was the first time. I think being in Fenway, one of the you know prolific parks that I've always loved playing in, it really kind of hit me, you know. So I just trying to make the adjustment from there and wasn't going to let it happen again. All right, so now we're going to morph into since Xander Bogarts is uh, right now as we sit here. The big thing is about his contract. You had a contract decision to make. You know, the, the Marlins came in and they offered you three-year deal. It was a great deal. I was happy for you. I saw you walking around the hotel in your Marlins jersey after your press <laughs> conference. So happy for you. All right. So take us back when, you know, when you, know, you have the great experience in Boston, um, what that looked like. Um, they didn't uh, offer you the qualifying offer, right? Correct. Yeah, which which was, I, I knew they weren't going to do that, but yeah. it was just some question, I guess. But there was some question. I mean, there was they had a lot of guys, but still there was some question. So take us back to then what, what happened. Uh, well, I mean, first and foremost, I wanted to come back to Boston. I mean, that was my number one priority. Um, you know, they just weren't offering me anything really close. I mean, they were offering me uh, 
a one-year deal with options. And then if I were to meet the games played, then I would get a second year for the same type of deal. Um, you know, I wanted something guaranteed. I told him, I said, listen, as far as the games played goes, if we can just take that out of the equation and just do, you know, if I go on the, the injured list or something, you know, because they were concerned about my back. Um, you know, so I told him, I said, if we go on the aisle, then okay, let's just make that money guaranteed unless that happens. And they weren't willing to do it. You know, but Ben was great. Ben, you know, he told me who they were planning on signing. They said, listen, you got about three days until I make it public. So, you know, go ahead and use it for whatever teams you want. Uh, the Phillies were the other option at the time. I think they were offering me, you know, four for 40 uh, or three for 40 around there. Um, but they ended up signing Ruiz back, so that didn't work out. And then uh, Marlins and Chicago were the other two teams. Um, you know, but Marlins made the best offer. And, um, you know, like I said, I really wanted to come back to Boston. It killed me that I didn't. You know, I even still think and, comp you know, contemplate about should I just accept that offer and dealt with it. Um, but I had to think about my family. Well, believe me, we want you to come back, especially after, especially after what transpired after. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, listen, I mean, it's it's you've laid it on your feet. It's it's awesome to. Um, I hope that you'll check back in with us again because, Absolutely. like, you are, you are officially now our Cape Cod League correspondent. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if you don't check back in, I'm about like 35 minutes away from Bourne. So I'm, I'll be down there watching some games for sure. Let's go. I'm in. Let's do it. I want you to mold young minds, please. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's a good group of kids. I mean, like you said earlier about the guys who are in the World Series, you know, obviously with Tennessee, North Carolina getting out, it was a few guys we're going to get from them. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to work with some of these guys that are supposed to be the top of the top. And then obviously going to San Diego Tuesday for the combine, you know, I, I enjoyed myself last year with that. So seeing 200 of the best players in the country is going to be a lot of fun. So what will you do there? I guess I'm just doing one of the coaching, maybe like hitting and catching, really. I mean, you got Torrey Hunter, Mike Cameron, Trevor Hoffman, Bichette. Um, you know, there's a lot of big names that are going to be there. So I'm excited to kind of learn from those guys and, you know, see what these young kids are, are all about. Here's here's the here's the spoiler alert takeaway between your college education, between your leadership skills, between what everything that you've done, between your coaching ability, your future is bright for Jared Sotolamakia. Don't forget the Rob Bradford podcast that I'm doing right now. I mean, yes, that's well, that is that is correct. That is absolutely correct. Brand's never been hotter. The brand has never been hotter. <laughs> brand never let's been get hotter. some hats made and let's go ahead and send me one. All right. Well, okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen, I mean, you don't think we're way ahead of this? Come on, let's go. <laughs>